Hello and welcome to another episode of People Who Suffer, a podcast dedicated to helping those of us who suffer, suffer a little bit less. And how do we do that? We do that by understanding what suffering is and why we do it. And um, yeah, I guess uh, most of... (laughs) Most of what I talk about on here, I guess, can sound just like, you know, something that's nice, and here you go. Oh, yeah, that that's helpful, and that's one way to hear it. And if and if that's the way it gets heard, that can be enough. If you can move from uh, an experience of suffering to ex- an experience of less suffering, it really doesn't matter how it's occurring. I want to suggest, though, that there's a depth and um, a breadth to what's available in, in what gets talked about in this podcast that probably goes beyond what we think. And that is that it's just a, a conversation about how things are. And when you see things how they are, it has a profound impact on, you, on experience. And there are, there are plenty of people in the world who are having the same sort of conversation. And if you were to be sitting, for example, with somebody discussing um, some, some deep level of spirituality, it, it might feel a little bit more spiritual than the conversation we have on this website. But you might look at this person and go, oh my gosh, this, this person knows something. Um, and let me really listen. And uh, the thing that they know, if they are a spiritual leader, the thing that they know is really actually quite simple. They know that we are spiritual beings having a physical experience, and they know the difference between the spiritual being and the physical experience. And some people are a little bit more mysterious in their conversation around this, perhaps than I am. They might be a little less matter of fact. Um, and they might sound more spiritual. I listen, (laughs) I listen occasionally back to, to a little bit of my podcast and I'm like, yeah, I don't, I don't sound particularly spiritual. There's not a, a real spiritual dynamic to the way I'm talking. Um, but I want to invite you to notice, uh, the simplistic or the simple nature of, the root of that thing that I'm talking about. And this is part two of how do I love myself? And the reason there's a part two is because it couldn't possibly be covered in just part one. And yet at the same time, it really could be covered in just a few sentences. But the problem with covering it in just a few sentences is that we don't give time for those sentences to land. And, uh, and then we tend to scroll on to the next thing. Like I really could just put in an Instagram post a few sentences and the sentences would be something like this. How do I love myself? Well, there are a couple of important ways to look at this question. And a couple of important elements to see in this question. And the first is, well, what is love? And what does it mean to love anything? And then the second one is, what is this self I'm talking about? 
And uh, again, I talk so often on this on this podcast. It's really the, the the foundational thing that I talk about is knowing the difference between who we are and who we think we are. And one hundred percent of the time, when someone is saying, "I don't love myself," or "How do I love myself more?" the self they're referring to is the self they think they are. It's the identity. It is the the ego. It is the personal mind. It is the collection of thoughts and ideas and beliefs and evidences that I have of who I am in this world relative to how I think the world should be. It is my identity. And it is this thing that I walk around thinking I am. And uh, I'm not that. And I understand why I think I'm that. Because I wake up every morning into a physical world, and I get out of bed, and, and in my case, my body hurts because I'm 53 years old. So when I get out of bed, I, you know, I feel, first of all, this shoulder that I thrust full speed into a wall a couple of months ago that is getting better, but not nearly as quickly as my identity would like it to get better. And I don't just feel that. I feel, you know, all the other aches and pains that come along with a, a lifetime of having participated in sports and also maybe not taking quite as good care of myself as I, as I could have. And, uh, and so it takes me a while to warm up in the morning and I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm a little achy and whatnot. But the point is I wake up to this physical experience and immediately my brain starts working and it starts thinking uh, about myself and my experience. And it starts judging me and saying, you know, how did you do this? And how have you let yourself be this? And then it's, it's judging the experience of, you know, walking into the bathroom to brush my teeth. I, I cannot wait to brush my teeth in the morning. I won't say a word to anyone until I've done that. Um, and, uh, you know, on the way there, uh, yeah. and this is just the, the kind of thing that, that happens on a daily basis. And if you're younger, there are different things that come into your mind. Maybe not so much, uh, physical pain is your problem as it is emotional or mental stress, or, you know, the day ahead of you has got you overwhelmed and you're thinking of all these things and, and you're thinking about them relative to, um, am I good enough? Am I going to be able to do this? Why is this so difficult? And, and just all of these things placing an over-importance on how things are supposed to be. And, and maybe your view of the day is in conflict with what you think the day should be like. And you wish things were different, which is at the foundation of suffering. And the point is that we're born into a, a physical world. And we live in this physical world and every day we get up and wake up to the physical world and we move around and stub our toes and have our thoughts and eat our food and do all these things that are physical. And we spend all of our time thinking that that is the only reality when it's not. When inside of us, and again, this is the thing to remember, I'm a physical being have, or a spiritual being having a physical experience. Is the physical experience real? Yes, of course it is. 
Is it important? Yes. Is it as important as I think it is? No. Um, and, 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 and when I see it for what it is, an experience rather than this all-important thing we call life, then we realize that it's just, it, it, it doesn't carry the weight that it did before seeing it like that. And then when I quiet down, and this is the real key, I quiet down and feel this thing inside me that is presence. And I slow down to who I really am and draw myself into awareness, which is another word that describes the spiritual truth of who I am. And then I observe this physical experience from this awareness. And then all of a sudden I start to see this self that I thought I was as being something that is actually outside of me. And if we were to right now in this moment, slow down and ask, ask ourselves, where am I? Well, there are some people who would really think that, that they are in their head. But if you get really silent and start to feel around and, and move to different places, my experience has been that where am I happens somewhere in my chest and I can feel that like if I go down and touch myself on the knee, that feels below me. If I touch myself on top of the head, that feels above me. My shoulder feels beside me. My chest feels right in front of me. My back feels behind me, and I can't touch my back right now because my shoulders aren't working very well. But when I do that, then I, from awareness, am seeing this self um, perhaps as being something outside me. And the truth of who I am is something inside me. And that's the first step to, <laughs> to loving myself, is, is seeing the self that I want to love as not actually even being who I am. And then when I do that, then I, then I get to move on to the question, well, what is love? And uh, is love an action? Is love a thing? What, is, what does love feel like? Where does it come from? When is it? What is it? Well, it has a lot of synonymous terms. And those terms can be found in my Instagram account. Uh, well, some of them can. I don't have the uh, I don't have the full image in there that I that I share with people I work with. But um, uh, on uh, on my Instagram account, I have a I have a graphic that has a circle in it that's kind of in a yellow color, and it says "I am." And this circle represents the spiritual truth of who I am. And inside of that circle, there are a few words. And those words are words that are characteristics or words that could be used to describe the spiritual truth of who I am. 
doesn't really have characteristics. It is all of those things all at one time. But but from our physical selves, we get used to seeing things in terms of separateness and characteristics and things like that. So it becomes easier to understand if we just suggest that the spiritual truth of who we are has characteristics. And one of those is love. I am that. It is the spiritual truth of who I am. Another term is understanding. I am that. What does understanding do? It understands. And when we understand, we love. Because love and understanding are actually the same thing. And then uh, another word that's in there is presence. I am presence. And when I am present, I understand. Why? Because presence and understanding are the same thing. It's who I am. And so presence understands, and understanding understands, and love understands, and love loves, and understanding loves, and presence loves. What am I also? Awareness. And what does awareness do? Well, it, it sees. It sees things how they are. It's, it is the seeing of things absent of judgment. It is who I am. What does awareness also do? It loves. Why? Because it is love. Because love and awareness are the same thing. So when you see love for what it is and understand that you are that, then the innocently misguided quest for loving oneself becomes clear as an innocently misguided quest. We live in a culture where focus on self has become so prevalent that the need for loving the self we've been focusing on absolutely becomes one of the most important experiences we can have in life. Because if we don't feel like we're doing it, then we find ourselves in suffering and we find ourselves in the experience of not being enough, of not being good enough, of feeling unworthy of feeling unloved, of feeling not understood, unnoticed, unimportant. All of these things that don't sit well at all with our identity. And our identity, above all things, it doesn't want to feel bad. And it's sole design is to protect us from feeling bad. Initially, that was to protect us from real danger. Instinctively, but now instinctively, it protects us from feeling bad because that's most of the danger that we experience. And we experience feeling bad a whole lot more now than we used to because the opportunity to feel bad is multiplied thousands of times over what it used to be. There was no, uh, there was no, I mean, we've always compared ourselves to other people, but not thousands of people at a time, which we do now. We've always felt like things should be a certain way, but we've never had such a clear cut image in front of our faces all day, every day of how things are supposed to be, which by the way, they're not, but I understand why our identity thinks they're supposed to be that way. 
We've never had so many things by which to judge ourselves. We've never had ways, so many ways to judge others. So we add all these things together and we've got a, a level of busyness of thought and focus on self that isn't the self we are, that is so overwhelming that we feel not good most days, all day. And then we think we don't love ourselves. And then comes the question of how do I love myself? And again, I'm, I'll just revert back to what I started talking about, that we could in just a few sentences put this on an Instagram post and say, well, notice the self that you're trying to love isn't actually who you are. Notice who you are and notice that the spiritual truth of who you are is love. And what does love do? It loves. And then there you go. You are love. No need to love yourself. Yourself is love. And when you fall into the noticing of that and the awareness of that and the connection to that, you feel the truth of it. And then you forget to love yourself because this thing that is the spiritual truth of who you are doesn't focus on itself. It focuses outward. So given that that's how things are, how do we have that become more of the experience we have in life? Well, it's both, it's both easy and difficult. It's easy in theory because all we need to do is focus outward. If you want to feel love, connect to the love you are and look outward and love those around you. And then you will notice that you feel love. And of course you do. You are love. And your mind has gone quiet and you're able to see people and love them. Well, and also, love is understanding. So if you want to feel love, then allow your mind to quiet. Allow your experience to look outward rather than inward at self focused on the self you're not, look outward and look at people in their experience and understand their experience. And when you find yourself in understanding, you will find yourself feeling the feeling of understanding, which is the same feeling as the feeling of love. And then you feel love. And then the need to love yourself goes away because you're feeling love. And that's what's absent, not loving yourself, but the feeling of love itself, which is who you are. And not just who you are, it's who and what you are. You are love. What does love feel like? Well, it feels like itself, which is love. What does it do? It loves. And it loves outwardly. Another way to do that is to find yourself in gratitude, and not just in gratitude that focuses on the self that isn't who you are, the, uh, the identity. The identity tends to have gratitude be an experience of, of looking inward and celebrating all the things I have. And that can be helpful. That can be helpful because it takes your mind away from thinking about the things you don't have and, and leaving this feeling of lack, so that will be helpful. 
But what's actually uh, a more powerful version of gratitude is to feel what gratitude is. It is grateful. And what does it do? It expresses gratitude and look outside yourself for people to express gratitude to. Find yourself in awareness of the people who have had some sort of impact in your experience of life that you appreciate. And in from that awareness, reach out to them and express gratitude. And when you do this, you will feel the feeling that gratitude is. And what does gratitude feel like? Well, it feels like love because it's the same thing. It is a characteristic of the spiritual truth of who we are. And as occurred on a call this morning with someone, as we were having this very conversation, um, she kept saying to me, well, I feel calm. I feel peaceful. Yes, because peace is another characteristic of the spiritual truth of who we are. And peace is the opposite of panic. Panic exists in our identity. And from our identity, if we find ourselves in panic, we are going to have a very difficult time feeling any of the characteristics of who we are. Because um, panic busies the mind and covers up the connection to who we are. So, yeah. And so we find when we find ourselves in peace, what does peace do? Well, it it's peaceful. That's I am that. And so if we find ourselves in the feeling of peace, then guess what we are not going to have a question about again. We're not going to have a question about how do I love myself? Because the question how do I love myself will not exist in an experience of peace. And peace is who we are, and it's the same as love, and it feels the same as love. And I could go down a number more of those, uh, the characteristics of who we are. Um, another one is, is creation. If we want to have more of an experience of loving who we are, then if we spend more time in creation we will notice that we are creation, that it feels good. I've got a client who constantly refers to that as his gateway to good feeling. Um, he's like, yeah, I notice no matter what's going on with me, if I find myself in creation and notice that creation doesn't occur, like pure creation does not occur from an experience of having to do things. It occurs from just being in the act of bringing into being that which wasn't, of creating. And noticing the, the creation that we are and that that is an expression of that creation, which opens up a gateway through the busyness of thought down into the spiritual truth of who we are. And then we feel the creation that we are. And what does it feel like? It feels like love because it's the same thing, because it's who we are. And when we find ourselves in the feeling of creation, which feels the same as the feeling of love, then we don't feel a need to love ourselves because we're feeling love. 
I hope I'm not saying this too many ways or, or, or too simply. Um, and another thing that was beautiful today is that the, one of the, uh, a person reached out to me who felt motivated by one of my um, podcasts that I did. I think I did this one actually with Melissa. I've talked about her on the last couple of podcasts. And she is, by the way, reaching out to all sorts of you who had submitted questions. And thank you so much for responding. She she loves to to get those responses and, and to have those conversations with you. Um, but uh, the podcast that I did with her was on the value of con- of, of conversation over content. And is content valuable? Sure. But it's not nearly as valuable as conversation because the ability to see from content is not close to the ability to see that gets created inside of conversation. And I spoke with someone this morning who was motivated by that podcast to reach out. And, and she shared with me that she's like, yeah, your podcast is making me feel really good. And at the same time, I want, I want more. Like I, I, it's, it's not doing everything. It's doing something, but not everything. And I want more. And, uh, and so we had a conversation this morning and, and I asked her at the end of this conversation, I'm like, was this more powerful than content? And she said, oh yeah, a lot more powerful than content. And I can't remember exactly the words she used, but she'll know that I'm talking about her right now. And I appreciate that she reached out and I really appreciate the opportunity to help people see because it was people reaching out to me and helping me see that changed my experience of life from one of near constant suffering to one of much less suffering. And let me tell you, going through life with an experience of not so much suffering compared to going through life with an experience of near constant mental suffering, these are very different things. And I, uh, I really appreciate when people get to the point where they just simply say, you know what, something's got to change. And, and that shows up in such a variety of ways. And one of the ways it shows up is when I'm willing to ask a question to someone I really don't know. Like when I'm, I get to the point where I, I, and for me, it was that I, I remembered having heard my coach, Steve Chandler, um, I remembered him talking about something and then me months later sitting in my office contemplating how on earth I was going to go from the rock bottom that I was finding myself at to something else. And I looked down and insight said to me, look at that CD that's sitting on your desk, call that guy. And for those of you who don't know what a CD is, it is a physical version of what is now an MP3. Anyway, so um, it, uh, yeah, so I looked down and I saw that and it occurred to me from somewhere inside me, which was wisdom and insight in the moment, send this guy a request. And I did. And I called him up 
and left him a very simple message. Hey, you don't know who I am. I want to know what you know and do what you do. Please call me back. And he did. And I love that I got to that point. I love that I got to the point where intuition, understanding, knowing, the thing that lives inside me that will not have me making decisions that are detrimental to my physical experience, but will only guide me to make decisions that will be supportive and helpful to my physical experience of life, told me in that moment, listen, you got to do this. And I did. It was one of the rare occasions back then where my identity, you know, was desperate enough that it said, yeah, let's do this. And I reached out and left him a message. And I love when that occurs for people that they reach out to me in the same way that I reached out to Steve Chandler. I've got another client. Um, she's just delightful. And, uh, and she wrote me a message and said, um, and, and I don't think it could have been any clearer. She just talked about the level of suffering she was in at the time and said, I, I'm going to be clear about this. I need you to be for me what Steve Chandler was for you. I need you to be my Steve Chandler. And we're working together now. And the, the difference in her experience of life, I think, is just profound. Um, and it's so delightful to see it occur. But again, she listened to the call from within at a time when it felt pretty desperate from identity. And so it's, it's a delightful thing when we get to that point where we just say, hey, something's got to change. And then we listen to what occurs from us from inside to have that thing change. And one of the things that so many people want to have change is the way they feel about themselves. And so today's conversation as being part two of how do I feel about myself, you know, there's is uh, it, it has the potential to really change your experience of life. When you go from feeling like you don't like yourself, don't love yourself, into having most of your experience of life come from a feeling of love, and you realize the self that you previously didn't feel like you loved is not even you. It's just your, your identity then it loses a lot of its power and it it really loses a lot of the power it's had in ruining your experience of life or making it so difficult that you've got to have, you know, that something has to change. And the thing that changes, again, is in the simplicity of recognizing that self for what it is, not me. Recognizing the spiritual truth of who I am for what it is, love feeling the love that I am, having broader, more permanent, regular access to that feeling, and then moving from an experience of life which is dominated by not feeling good to one that has uh, much less frequent periods of suffering. So, um, yeah, so that is How to Love Myself, part two. And uh, please, please reach out to me if, uh, if you're interested in having a conversation 
Um, if, you know, if not me, then I, I've got other people that I could, uh, I could refer you to. Um, I would, you know, I just want to help. I just want you to feel better. I know what it feels like to not feel good. I know what it feels like to feel good. Feeling good is a lot more fun than not feeling good. And it is not an impossible experience to have. So thank you for today. Have a wonderful day. And uh, until next time, thanks for listening. Bye for now.